Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. It's so easy for us to fall into a view of Jesus that is simple or routine, but Jesus came to radically change our perspective on what it means to truly live. We're in a series that takes a look at the statements that Jesus said about his mission for coming to earth. Our lives are different because of Jesus. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Grace Life. How are you guys doing? Man, baptisms are exciting, aren't they? Yeah, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but we've had, uh, eight, what is it, 82 or 81, 83, 84 people give their lives to Christ this year alone at Grace Life. That's exciting. Yep, that means that when we get out of bed, God is doing awesome stuff. It is so exciting to know that people's lives are being changed. And so, uh, hey, I want to invite you, as you've been hearing over the last couple of weeks, to a series we've got starting in two weeks. Two weeks we're doing Q&A. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's really different from what we're doing now because we'll have the whole pastoral team up here on stage and just answering questions you have about God, about the Bible, about life, about what's happening in our world, about anything that you're asking. So uh, bring a friend because this is a really good time for somebody who says, I don't know if church is for me to experience something that's very different and hopefully very, very relevant. And then we've got a special treat for you next week, so you just have to come back next week and see what that is. Cool? Everybody good? All right, here's what we're doing today. Today is the final part of a series we've been doing. It's part eight, and that is, wow, that's a long series, isn't it? That's very not normal for us. We don't normally preach on one topic for eight weeks, but this topic, well, there was just no way around it. If you were here in the beginning, I've told you where it came from. I was reading my Bible a few years ago, just on my own, doing my own private Bible reading, and uh, I noticed that Jesus made a statement. He said, I came to do this. And, And well, you know, you already know Jesus came to do that and something else, and so it hit me, wait a minute, how many things does Jesus claim that he was going to do when he came to earth? And and so I, I felt like I should take out a sticky note, so I did, I put a sticky note in the back of my Bible. And so that year, as I read through all of the Gospels, every time I'd see a statement where Jesus said, I came for this purpose, I was sent for this reason, I came to do this, or, or whatever that version of that line was, I made a note of it. And then after a, a couple of years, I felt God say, I want you to share this with, with the people, I want you to preach this. And, and so we took this long list, because there's a lot of stuff that Jesus came to accomplish on the earth. And we took this long list, and we condensed it down to eight, and only eight. And so that's where we've been throughout this series. I'm going to give you a real quick rundown if you're uh, maybe here for the first time, and you're saying, is there any of this I want to go back and hear? Well, I don't know. Let me, let me review what we've done. We began the series talking about because of Jesus, we have purpose. We're going to put them all up there for you to see as we go through this. What that means is that once we surrender our lives to him, There's a divine reason that we exist. There is something we were created to do. And then we said, because of Jesus, we don't have to remain in darkness. You know, Jesus came to set us free from the power of darkness. He came to set us free from the darkness in our souls. He came to set us free from the darkness in this world. And then we said, because of Jesus, we live in both grace and truth. And well, it's easy to do one or the other, just to be honest. You naturally live in grace or you naturally live in truth. So the challenge of that message was simply the word both, being someone who can stand up for what's right, but doing it in love. Hardest thing to do, right? And then we said, because of Jesus, we're changed. That's when we introduced that song we just sang. This is, here's the bottom line. I'm not who I used to be. There is a me before Jesus, and there is a me after Jesus, and that should be the story for every single one of us. 
And so then we said, because of Jesus, we serve. You know, we live in a world that says you serve someone who has a higher position and people with lower positions serve you. That in this world, serving is about rank. It's about pedigree. It's about college degree. And Jesus says, no, 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 you serve because I served you. You serve everyone. You serve anyone because I served you. It totally messes up the paradigm that we live in. And so then we came back with part six and said, we Because of Jesus, we destroy the works of the devil. And I I burst your bubble because we had a whole lot of people who were looking forward to that one going, oh, this is so good. This is going to be a great message on spiritual warfare and we're going to go out there and we're going to take down the devil. And and then I just messed it all up when I said, we're not going out there to take down the devil. We're going in here to take down the devil. Because it turns out the number one work of the enemy is the rebellion against God that exists within every single one of us. And then last week, very challenging message says, because of Jesus, we seek and save the lost. It's the very reason that we are still on the earth. We have a mission to accomplish. There are people who do not yet know who Jesus is and what he's done for them, and it's our job to change that. Now, if you missed last week, not only was there hopefully a good message for you individually, something that will help you follow Jesus better, but we also took a significant portion of the message to talk about some things we're doing as a church family. And just because it's so important, I'm going to take a minute and highlight those again, as well as the fact that maybe some of you were absent last week, and you can go and catch some of this online, but because of the nature of it, it's not all online. So the first thing that we're going to do, um, if you know you've been around Grace Life, we have what we call a summer of serve, and that's between Memorial Day and Labor Day. We go out and try to make Jesus famous in Columbia. We've got projects all over the city of all different types. And so this year, we're starting something new called season of serve, and that's because we have Three major holidays that basically disrupt our world over the next 56 calendar days. The first one starts Wednesday. What is Wednesday, everybody? Woo, y'all never thought you'd say that word in church, did you? (laughs) Halloween, because here's the thing. This is the only day of the year that virtually every American will open the door for you. Yeah, and we're going to take advantage of it. It's going to be great. And so what we did last week, we gave out these bags. Most of you already got them. They're in the back of the room if you want to get them on the way out the door. They say no tricks, just a treat. Your job is to fill this up with some really good candy, lots of really good candy. Don't be a cheapskate because it's got an invitation to Grace Life inside. Yeah, don't be a cheapskate. I told Last week, if you were here, I talked about the importance of high-quality dark chocolate. And a lady came to my life group Wednesday night and gave me some high-quality dark chocolate. I now have a favorite attender of Grace Life Church. The rest of you need to step up your game. Just saying. So anyway, take those, go door-to-door, bless people. It's going to be great. Then the second thing that we talked about that's a little more sensitive in nature, and we're going, we said we would refer to these people in code from here on out because this is online and you're not allowed to put this information online, is there are people on planet Earth today, entire people groups, that do not know who Jesus is or what he's done for them. And they do not have anyone working among them to change that. We call them unreached, unengaged people groups. And as a church, with two other churches that we are friends with, we have decided to adopt two of those people groups. I can't tell you right now, because this is going on the the internet, what those two groups are. But we said last week we'd refer to one of them as the L people and the other one as the S people. You can pick up some information in the lobby as you go. 
And again, because what we're doing is we are partnering with some people who are ethnically closer to those people. They can speak their language, they understand them, and they fit into their culture that instead of sending one of us who would stick out like a sore thumb and probably be dead before the week is up, we're partnering with people who will go. And so we've had an artwork created by one of our artists here at Grace Life, and we've had these made in numbered prints. And we're giving these to every, anyone who will agree to pray one day a week for the people who are there working as well as for the harvest. So if you didn't get one of these last week, we do still have a few of these left. They're in the, the uh, connection area. Stop by on your way out and get one of those. Ooh, that was, that was a mouthful, wasn't it? All right, so part eight. What could possibly be left? How about this one? Because of Jesus, we don't live for ourselves. Because of Jesus, we don't live for ourselves. We saw that today with all the baptisms. All these people being baptized are saying, look, it was about me then. It's not about me anymore. We don't live for ourselves. And if you, you noticed on that list, most of that list was a do. They were positive statements about what we do because of Jesus. There are actually two don'ts, and this is the second one. And the reason sometimes there's a don't is because it's not just that Jesus came to take away things that sin has added. Sometimes he has come to put back things that sin has removed, right? Well, in this case, one of the first things that comes into our world with broken human nature, fallen nature, sin nature, is that we start to live for ourselves. We think that this life is all about us. If you've been around Grace Life any period of time, you've probably heard a little bit of my story, so I'll tell this as briefly as I can for, for those of you. And if you're new here, uh, I became a follower of Jesus when I was 16 year old, years old. I was a sophomore in high school, and I was at an FCA retreat. And it is okay for musicians to go to FCA retreats. Uh, no, no jokes on that one there. Y'all good with me? And, and so I had gone to church in the morning In the evening, Sunday morning, Sunday evenings, Wednesday nights, I'd been to church plenty, but I had never said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. Now, here's the thing. For most people, when you make Jesus your king, that is, that's a lot, right? I mean, that's a pretty big moment. And then you, you get up the next day and you try to figure out what that might mean. But something really unique happened for me at the moment where I said, Jesus, you're going to be king of my life. I, I surrender my life to you. At that exact moment in my mind, I knew something else had to change. And that was what I intended to do for my life. You see, at the very moment that I said, Jesus, I'll give you my life, I also knew this is what I was going to do for a living, right? Now, now here's the problem. Up until that point, I wanted to be a doctor. Now, look, there's nothing wrong with being a doctor. I hope many of you are doctors. We, We need people who are doctors and doctors who love Jesus. My problem was I wanted to be a doctor for me. I wanted to be a doctor because of the prestige and the money, and that was the only reason I wanted to do it. I was remotely excited to cut people open. I thought that was going to be kind of fun because I did want to be a surgeon. I thought, if you're rude to me at a restaurant, I can't wait till I get to operate on you. Yeah, were you rude? I asked for a sweet tea the other day and you forgot. Okay, anyway, it would have been nice to have that power, wouldn't it? All right, just kidding, just kidding. I don't really, I'm not that bad of a person. In all seriousness, though, I really did want to do it just for the money and the prestige. I wanted people to doctor currents, you know? I mean, come on, everybody's kind of got their thing and And at that moment, I knew if I'm going to follow Jesus, I can't live for myself because there was no good reason in me to be a doctor. There was only a bad reason in me. I think every one of us here would say, I want to do what God wants for me. I mean, think about it. Look around the room. It's Sunday morning, right? 
It's Sunday morning, and you're not sitting on your porch having brunch. You're not scrolling through your phone to read the news. You're not out somewhere playing golf. You know, I think it's finally getting warm enough at this point in the day where you could do that. You're here. And if you're here, it's because there's something in you that says, yes, I would, I would like God to be happy with my life. I would like my life to be in line with what he wants for me. And as I said earlier, we've had over 80 people so far this year give their life to Jesus. That's clearly more than one a week for those of you struggling with math. And so that tells you that even right now, there's at least one person in this room that you haven't surrendered yet to God, but you're here because you're figuring that out, because you're looking and because you've got questions. And I'm willing to bet even for those of you that are here that have yet to say Jesus is your king, there is still something in you that says, I want my life to matter, right? I think every single one of us, we want our life to have meaning. But here's the truth. No life will ever have meaning if it's lived for itself. The only way we're ever going to have meaning to our lives is when we live for something that is greater for us, greater than us. And that's what Jesus modeled for us. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to our main passage today. If not, it's going to be on the screen right here. And the truth is, it's such a short passage. It's only one sentence that will probably be done before you can even turn there. It's in John chapter 6, and it's verse 38. Now, here's kind of what's going on. We're in the middle of a story, and Jesus is talking to some people, and he's preaching about what he came to do. And have you ever been with somebody, and they start to say stuff, and you wish you could shut them up? Come on, anybody got one of those friends? You just wish they were like, no, 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 you you said too much. You ever been a a fan of a comedian, and they start telling a joke that's not going to work, and you're like, oh, this is not going good. Or, Or probably like half of my staff sometimes are like, no, Jimmy, don't go there. Yeah, But anyway, this was one of those moments. This was the most difficult thing Jesus ever said. Matter of fact, when he finished this speech, he lost some of his disciples. They turned to each other and said, look, that, that's, that's too hard. Who, who can do that? And he lost disciples over this very speech. But in the middle of this speech, he said this one sentence right here. He said, look, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And if you're just reading this sentence, it's easy for us to think that Jesus was kind of doing this as a bit of a disclaimer, like, hey, you know, I'm going to find some of you doing what you shouldn't do, and I'm going to kind of like kick your table over and make a little mess in the temple. And well, some of you are a little religious, and I'm going to have to rebuke you, but I want you to know it's not my idea. I'm Jesus. I'm nice. It's all God's idea. I'm just doing what he wants me to do. It, it, It reads almost like it's a disclaimer for the mess that he's about to make. It's not a disclaimer. It's one of the most important statements he could make. Because for Jesus to come down from heaven was huge. We cannot grasp how important this was. You see, Jesus was in perfect heaven, in perfect fellowship with the Father, and in the middle of perfect worship of all the host of heaven. Did you catch the word perfect a few times in there? And he volunteered to leave that perfect state and to come down to earth and instead of having perfect fellowship in heaven and perfect worship in heaven he had sinful nature he didn't but he was in the midst of sinful nature here on earth and he was in the midst of imperfect worship and imperfect fellowship with humans and everything was broken see this is so big that in the theology world we call this the state of humiliation that's what it was like for Jesus to step out of heaven and to come to earth it was 
humiliated. So for him to do it, it must have been pretty big, right? And, well, it's because of that that everything changed. It is because of that that he defeated sin. It's because of that that he defeated the enemy. It is because of that that you and I are saved. It is because of that that he died the greatest death known to all of humanity. He did it all because of one thing. He knew why he was here. He knew why he made that change to come from heaven to come to here. And I want you to think about that. How many of us know why we are here? How many of our, see, when you know why, it changes everything. If you knew the why that you made a change, if you said, you know what, I know why I used to live in that city, but I came to this city. You see, my wife and I had to leave another city to come to this city to see Grace Life Church started. We came to, to Columbia not to live in Columbia because we didn't think Columbia was a cool place to live. That may surprise you because I know you all love living in Columbia, right? I was just talking to one of the guys out in the lobby, and he said, you know, the slogan for Columbia should be close to everywhere you want to be. He literally told me about a conversation he had with the mayor to try to convince him that that should be our, our, our tagline because there's no other thing that would draw people to Columbia because, you know, you're, you're like an hour from Charlotte, two hours from Charleston, two hours from the mountains, three hours from Atlanta. We've got three interstates. We're close to everywhere you want to be. My wife and I left a beautiful place. Every time I say, hey, we're going back there to visit, and they say, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, we used to live there. Oh, wow, that was Yes, we used to live there. Now we live here. Why? because we came to see this church birth. We've got to know the why. You may say, I know why I gave up that house. I know why I, I broke off that relationship. I know why I changed my career. I know why. And when we know why, it changes everything because that is what we're here to do. The question is, do you know why? And let me, let me just stop and ask what I hope is an incredibly encouraging question. Ask yourself this. Am I aware that God has a will for my life? That should encourage you. The creator of the universe made you with something specific for you. You have a life that lines up with his will here. You should be like, yes, I can't wait to get out of bed and get in line with what God is doing on the earth. I mean, that should be exciting. You ever met somebody who has a life verse? Raise your hand if you have a life verse. Anybody got it? You aren't very, somebody's like, not very proud of that right there. I've always thought people with life verses are weird. Just so you know, all you raised your hands. Because <laughs> I've thought, first of all, it's a big Bible. How can you pick out one? How can you pick out one? And, and then how can you pick out one and say you do it better than all the rest? So I've always thought people who say they have a life verse, they're just weird. Until the Holy Spirit showed me one. <laughs> I'm weird with you. Here's the thing. My life verse is not what I do well. My life verse is my goal for life. So I don't claim it's one that I do well, but I feel like it's one that if I, if I can get this one, then, then I'll, I'll be all right. And I'm going to share it with you. It's Acts 20, 24. And here's what it says. I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Now look, here's the thing. That was Paul's answer. 
You see, Paul's ministry from the Lord Jesus was to testify to the gospel of grace. We're all called to do that to some degree. We're all called to give an answer for our faith. We're all called to tell people about Jesus. But Paul very specifically was called to preach. He was going to travel and he was going to preach and he was going to tell everybody about the gospel of the grace of God for the rest of his life. That's what he was called to do. So when you, if you take this as your life verse, you may have to finish that sentence for what God has specifically put on you. Right? Are you guys with me? Like we were just talking a minute ago about Chaplain Lepresto and how we baptized two people because of a conversation in a work office on an Air Force base that he began, right? Separation of church and state, isn't that wonderful? And so his might say to testify to the gospel of grace to the Air Force or, or whatever God has given you specifically to do. But, but here's the, if you see what's underlined, it shows you the two goals that I have. You see, this verse is at the very top of my journal. Every day when I sit down to talk to God and to pray, I open up my journal, and here's the first thing that I see, and I have to repent. Because, well, my life is precious to me. And I can, I can just be honest and tell you that. And I'm willing to bet, though, I'm not the only one whose life is precious. See, every day I start out by saying, God, I want, I want to be able to look at you and say my life is not precious. Help me. Because I can just tell you right now, if God said, I, I want you to go and do this, and it were something that would potentially mean I'd never see my family again, I'm not, I'm not sure that I would do that. I, I'd at least be very slow to respond. I mean, I, I love my wife, and I love my children. And, and the thought that if God said, I want you to go to Pakistan and tell people about me on street corners, well, you all know how that would go. And I want to see my little girl grow up. And I'm just grateful that that's probably not the kind of thing God would ask me to do. And so far, he hasn't. So I've never been put in the situation to actually have to answer that. But I am going to tell you, I think I would, I'd be pretty slow if God said, why don't you give your house to that family? I, I don't know, God. I've worked pretty hard for my house. Thank you. I mean, just start to think about that for a minute. And so for me, one of my goals is to actually reach a point in my life where I don't think my life is so precious because right now I do. So that's just a, that's, that's, that's a long way off, evidently. I've got a ways to go. But then the second part of this, my second goal is these words, my course. And, and I think this will help some of you here today. That's all we have to do. My course. And for you, your course. And this is the most freeing thing in the world when we figure this out. Come on, how many of you have like a love-hate relationship with social media? Like you love it and hate it at the same time, come on. Half of you are liars because you ain't raising your head. I have a love-hate relationship with Instagram, and here's the reason. As a pastor, I follow other pastors because I study how they are doing things as pastors. I'm looking at what's going on at their church and what ideas we can get, and I'm looking at their church and all the things they're doing. And, and although I'm supposed to be learning and growing, all I ever do is feel depressed. Because they've all got like 10,000 people showing up and baptisms of 20,000 people all at once and, you know, this and that great story and that great story and that great story. I mean, come on. How many of you just feel like that big after you look at social media, right? My course, not their course. It is so freeing when we know our course. When I know my course, it frees me from comparison to all of these other people who are living their course because all I have to do is mine. I've just got to do what God put in front of me, and this is what God has put in front of me right now. My wife, my children, and Grace Life Church, this is what God has given to me, and I don't have to worry about what somebody else is doing. It also frees you from condemnation. Look, every single one of us I know wakes up most days with that little voice, and it is not God. 
and it tells you, you're not good enough. You'll probably fail today just like you did yesterday. You'll miss it again. You won't be good enough today either. But when you know exactly what your course is and you are doing your course and you're not comparing with the courses that you're not getting, you can look at the enemy and go, shut up because I'm living my course. It's the one God gave me and I'm excited about it. And it brings you fulfillment. When you are living your course, it doesn't matter what it is. You wake up, it doesn't matter what title is behind your name. It doesn't matter what your office looks like. If it's the corner office or it's a cubicle, it doesn't matter. Because you go, I'm doing what I'm made to do. Most of you know I used to teach school. I taught school for 11 years before I became a pastor for a day job. And people ask me all the time, boy, aren't you glad that you're not teaching anymore? Well, I'm very glad to be doing what I know God called me to do. No, I'm not glad that I'm not teaching anymore. I loved it. I loved the people that I worked with. I loved my students. I loved what I was teaching. I was fulfilled because I was doing my course at that point in my life. Does that make sense? And if we could just figure out my course. You see, everything. Do you know why you're here? Do you know why you're here? Are you able to say like Jesus was, look, I came down from heaven not to do my father's, not to do my will, but to do my father's. Are you able to say, look, I know why I'm here. I know exactly what I'm doing. Now, look, at this point, this would point us right back into the very first message of the series that said, because of Jesus, we have purpose. Each of us is uniquely made for a very unique and specific calling, and God has that for you. And if you need to hear that, that's, that's on the website, part one of this series. Just go back and get that, because I'm not going to repeat that right now. I'm going to jump to the next step in this equation. And if we're going to say, am I aware that God has a will for my life, then here's the next step in that equation. Do I live God's will for my life or my own? Now, that might not be as encouraging a question as the first one, is it? That's a challenging question, and I know it's going to challenge us here today, but I need to ask all of you for a favor because there's something you can do that I can't do for you. I need you to be challenged but not be condemned. You are the only one that can make sure this is a challenging question and not a condemning question. You see, you're the only one that can tell that little voice that starts whispering to you, that's right, you don't do God's will, you're no good. You're a no, 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 you can be quiet. The Holy Spirit is changing me right now. You're the only one that can do that. So I, I need to be able to bring to you the truth that God has something for your life without you hearing the devil tell you how you've already missed it. I, I, I can't do both. I can only do the first one. So you guys with me? You're not going to let this condemn you. Check this out. Because of Jesus, we don't live for ourselves. And here's why. He died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves. He died for all that those who, no who live no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Do I live for God's will or do I live for my own? And I need to stop and say something. You guys ready for this? This is important. We're going to put it on the screen because it's so important. Finding God's will is not hard, but living it is rarely easy. <laughs> Don't you love that? Finding God's will is not hard, but living it is rarely easy. How in the world does that make sense? What do I mean by that? Well, because you have a loving God who created you to walk in his will. He's not sitting up in heaven going, ah, look at them. They can't figure it out. Ah, they turned right instead of left. This is so funny. Come here, angels. Come watch this. They're so confused. Ah, ha, ha. That is not our God. Yeah, y'all can laugh. That's okay. Every now and then I do something crazy. That's not our God. Your God loves you. 
Your God is making it as easy as possible to come straight to him and to do exactly what he has for you. He has a straight path in front of you. He is not making it hard to figure out who he is and what he wants. Never. But living that is rarely easy. And the reason is very, very simple. You see, the minute that you decide to live God's will for your life, two things happen. Number one, the enemy comes against you. Did you guys know this? The minute that you say, sign me up, God, the devil goes, "Uh uh-oh, we got another one, we got to stop. So the minute that you say, I am going to do what God wants for me, you have just changed from doing what the devil wants. Because the only thing the devil wants, you think he's got, he's not very specific. He doesn't really care. His idea for you is anything but what God wants. He doesn't, you can just fill in the gaps. He's not even real detailed about that. But the minute that you say, I am going to do what God wants, he says, okay, got them on the list, got their number, we're going after them. So the minute that you say, I am going to live God's will, the enemy comes after you and God will grow you and they both make you feel like the whole world is against you. Come on, somebody should have said amen to that. That was because I know you've lived it. You've lived it where you couldn't tell the difference between what God was doing to shape you and change you or if the devil was coming against you because sometimes they just feel the same. And sadly, in my experience, what I've witnessed is that people, as they're being shaped by God and he's challenging them and he puts them in a tight situation because he's trying to get at something in their lives and he's trying to develop their character because his will for them is to have great influence. Yes, great influence. You don't have to be a pastor, stand on stage to have great influence. Every one of you, God wants you to have great influence for the sake of his kingdom on the earth. And as he's trying to shape you and get you ready for that, too many people just drop out. I'm just sick of this process. I feel like everything is against, it's just, just too much squeezing and too much. I just can't do this anymore. And here's why most people drop out. Because it's just easier to live for yourself. Because living for yourself doesn't take as much character. Y'all hear that? It's easier to live for yourself because living for yourself doesn't take as much character. I almost dropped out. I told you earlier that I knew at 16 years old I was called to do what I'm doing right now. And yet, if you know my story, I didn't do what I'm doing right now until I was in my 30s. Why was there a gap of over 20 years? Well, really, it was because God was shaping my character. My marriage wasn't where it should have been. You know why my marriage wasn't where it should have been? Because my character wasn't where it should have been. And did I say my character wasn't where it should have been? Have I made that point yet? You want to know why I wasn't a pastor in my 20s? Go find somebody who knew me in my 20s. They'll tell you why. It'll be a long conversation. But they'll laugh. Why, Jimmy, a pastor? Ha! No. God's got something for you. God's got something for you. And we drop out. You see, I got to a point where I was so frustrated. And I, I just thought, you know, God, I think I'm chasing the wrong thing. I think maybe I'm not good enough to be a pastor maybe I'll never get this right maybe I'll never deal with the things in my marriage you know whatever you just you come up with a whole list of of nevers and so I said I'm done and I went and interviewed for a job I interviewed for a job where I had the best resume and was the best candidate but I didn't get it and the only reason I can tell you that is because the principal who didn't hire me told me that afterward that there was a different reason she didn't hire me But going into this interview, I told God, I said, God, you know what? I am sick of spending my life trying to get in ministry. I mean, after all, this was your idea. 
And if this is not what you want, then why should I be miserable? Why, why, I can take Sundays off. I mean, I'll be good with me. I get to watch a lot more NFL. I think I'm done with this. And in all seriousness, I told God driving to the interview, I said, if I get this job, I am done chasing ministry, and I will happily teach the rest of my life until I retire. It's the only job I ever interviewed for I didn't get. I don't say that to brag. I say that to make it very clear God was doing something. And after I didn't get that job, the principal told me, he said, you did have the best resume. You had the most experience. And the reason I didn't hire you was they wanted somebody who already knew those kids. I was from out of town, and they hired that, their, their former assistant band director because of the transition. It had been an ugly transition in front of them. They thought the number one thing. Anyway, the point that was not about me. The point was God will do anything to keep you in his will. And that's exactly what he did. He, he, he created such a situation that even the best resume couldn't get hired because he had something else that he was doing in that place. Now, look, some of you have, have maybe missed the whole point this morning. So I, I need to make this as overwhelmingly clear as I can because I spend a lot of time as a youth pastor. And the number one thing that teenagers are always asking me, teenagers, wake up right now. They would always come to me and say is, is I don't know what God's will is for my life. I don't know what God wants me to do. And by that, they meant, where do I go to college and what do I major in? Hear me. I don't care if you ever figure out what your career is supposed to be. That is only a fraction of God's will for your life. If you never figure out what job God uniquely created you to do, you still have an incredibly worthy goal of aligning your life with God's will. Forget your job for a minute. And let me ask you this. Do you know God has a will for your marriage? God has a plan for your marriage. If you never figure out what your job is supposed to be, God has a divine purpose for your marriage. Did you know God has a will for your children? You know, the Bible actually says that the names of all those who are going to, to be in heaven are written in the book of life before they started. And only way that's possible is if he already knows who your grandkids are. If he already knows who your great-grandkids are going to be. He knows, which means he knows who your kids are going to be, which means he knows what his will is for your kids, which means he knows what his will is for your marriage. Did you know God has a will for how you spend your money? Yeah, ooh. I'm going to move on before somebody throws something at me. Teenagers. Teenagers, God has a will for how you respond to your parents. Teenagers, God has a will for how you treat your boyfriends or your girlfriends. God has a will for where you live. When was the last time you went house shopping and you asked, God, which house do you want us to live in? I don't even care. I, I hate that house. I feel like you want me to live in that neighborhood. That's the ugliest house we looked at. We looked at 10 houses. That's the God ugliest house I've ever seen. And you're telling me you want me to live it? See, we don't do that. No, we pick where we're going to live based on the best community pool and the best sidewalks and where we can walk little fluffy once a day. And that's where we choose where we're going to live. We don't say, God, where do you want me to live? We say, I'm going to live here because I want this house. You see, the truth is everything in our life, not just our job or our career, is all about living for ourselves. I do what I want with my money that makes me comfortable and makes me happy. I, do, I want a marriage that makes me happy. I want children who go up and grow up and get good degrees and good jobs and have lots of grandbabies. That's what I, you know, I mean, that's what we all know what we want. I want a neighborhood that looks good to the people who come and visit me. Everything is about living for ourselves. Finding God's will is not that hard. Just living it is rarely easy. You see, because of Jesus, we don't live for ourselves. Because of Jesus, we don't live for ourselves. I want to tell you a good news story. As a pastor, I, I get a lot of firsthand 
up close and personal walking with people, uh, struggling to, to live and line their life up with God's will. And, and sometimes the stories don't end well. Because, well, the truth is we're human and a lot of times we want what we want. And we're not willing to pay the price of getting what God wants. But I, I, I got to walk through this situation just, just recently where a young lady that has been in the church for quite a while, she had even come through my small group, so I got to know her personally and had walked through some other things in life. And, and, and so I'd gotten to know her better than I got to know a lot of people in the church just because of, of how much uh, we had been um, in the same situations and, and together and talking about stuff. And, and, and so I knew the greatest desire of her heart was to get married. She was in her 30s and just couldn't wait. And, and, and one day she came in and she was just beaming. She was smiling as much as she could. She, I think I found him. She was talking to another one of our pastors. And, and she was so excited to have found someone after 30 years. Come on, anybody single people in the room knows what this person's going through? Y'all, 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 no? All right, I got one hand. The rest of you single people stay single. <laughs> and then... If, a few days later, she found out that, well, this person wasn't a candidate for God's will for her life. And you may say, well, how did she know that, Jimmy? Because I'm not going to give you the details, but I'm just going to tell you God's will never violates God's word, and there was black and white. But she had a choice. She had a choice that she could pursue what made her heart feel good with this man, or she could break her own heart. And as I sat in the office with her and one of our other pastors sat in the office with her watching tears come down her face, choosing God's will over her own. And I'm going to tell you what, I absolutely believe God is going to bless her socks off. And I think she's, she's going to see that answered very, very soon. So we've reached the end, everybody. We've reached the end of this series. We've reached the end of the message today. And I think there's no better way to end everything than, well, with a statement by Jesus. And when Jesus was talking about doing the Father's will in his life, here's what he said. He said, look, I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Here's what he said. The Father gave me something to do, and how great is my distress until it is done. You know what I believe? I believe that most of you feel this distress, but you don't know it. I believe you've put other labels on it. For some of you, you've taken a few steps off the path. You feel too guilty. You haven't turned back to God. And so the word you would put on it is failure. Because you know what God has is over here. You know you're over there. And the distress, you'd say, is a failure. For some of you, you just use the word stress. Just life is just stress. For some of you, you'd put the word inadequate. We could do this all day, couldn't we? I don't know what the word is for you. But I believe that almost every one of you, I have to believe, because you're made by God and He's made you with this in your heart. I believe there is a distress in every single one of us that wants to see our lives 
and God's will mesh together to where we wake up and we know his grace is there. We know his forgiveness is there. We know his love is there. We don't have to compare ourselves to the person across the street or on on Instagram or anything else that we just know we're right where we're supposed to be. How great is my distress until these come together. What I want to do today is I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask every one of you, if you haven't already, and I bet most of you already have identified the number one area in your life that you know they're not in line. It might be your marriage. might be your money. might be your morality. I don't know. I just want you to take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit, what is the number one area of my life that is most not aligned with God's will for me? Everybody got that? Everybody got one? You're not going to have to tell anybody. Everybody got one? Let me pray for us. Can I pray for you? Lord God, I thank you that everyone in this room right now is distressed over the distance between our own will and your will for at least one area of our lives. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you will touch every person in this room. I pray that they would be so overwhelmed with your grace and your love that they would look up to heaven and they would smile, not thinking of what they've done wrong, but of how you are drawing them back right now and how you want to realign your will and our will. You want to bring us together on the same page. God, I pray right now for every person in this room that you will enable them, that you will pour out your grace upon them, that as they leave this room, that bringing this part of their life in alignment with your will will be the only thing that is the passion of their heart. And as we're praying, I just know there's, there's someone here who the number one thing you need to align is surrendering your life to Jesus, making Him your Lord and your Savior. Finally, maybe you're like me and you went to church for many, many, many years, but you had yet to say, Jesus, I want to live for you. And if you would like to do that right now, I'm just going to lead you in a conversation with God as we're all praying. I want you to say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you died for me. And now I want to live for you. I thank you for your love, your mercy, your forgiveness. I thank you that you have a will for me. And so my simple prayer here today is that you would give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your name. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. 
head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. If you have any questions or want to know more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We would love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.